0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You can open your Bibles again over to Second Timothy chapter 4. We'll get there in just a couple of minutes. We're going to begin there today. Sweet. Um, so, most of you know, if you haven't been here, I really encourage you to go to our website, get the podcast, get, watch the YouTube video, whatever. We've laid a lot of groundwork in this series now, and we're going to continue moving forward. And uh, we've been talking about this, this uh, idea of staying on course. And so bottom line, what we're talking about is we want to live our whole life in faith toward God. We want to breathe our last breath in faith toward God. I've always loved, and some people don't love this, but I've always loved that in Hebrews 11, we have this record of a whole bunch of people who lived by faith, all right? And that's awesome. And, and we, we feed on that. We love that. We love to look at our ancestry of people of faith and see what faith did in and through them in their lives. We love that. They live by faith. We're told to live by faith, all right? Not by sight. But also in Hebrews 11, it talks about people who died in faith and they hadn't seen everything that they were believing for all their lives. They'd seen a whole bunch of things, but they hadn't seen everything, but their faith was pulling it in for the next generation. I've known people personally, and you probably have too, that lived by faith and died in faith. They, they, when they died, and, and some of them Some of them got sick and died, and none of us were happy about that. Okay, And I don't believe it was God's will for them. But at any rate, they they took their last breath in faith, and everybody around them saw that. To me, that's where I want to be. I don't want to, at any point in my life, lose, get off course. With the Lord. Get off on some other thing. Get pulled aside by something. Get distracted by something. And I want to say, you know, we've been talking, we started this series talking about where Paul talked to Timothy about how some people had allowed their faith to become shipwrecked. And I just want to make that clear. I was thinking about that this weekend. That term shipwrecked, it doesn't just mean you had a struggle with your faith. It doesn't just mean you had some bad days. It doesn't mean you had a time where you had some doubts. It's not about that. A shipwreck is the end of that ship. People, people dive to look at shipwrecks, right? They dive in the ocean to see shipwrecks. And where is it? It's where the ship was wrecked. It didn't go any farther, okay? It sank to the bottom. So shipwreck is not one of those terms that, oh, I was shipwrecked this week, I'm not shipwrecked next week. No, no, no. What we're talking about is that we need to stay on course so that we don't end up getting hung up on something that comes into our life and, and our, our faith becoming hung up. It's not just some of us, you know, almost all of us from time to time, we feel stuck. I don't know how to move forward in this area of my life. Got it. I mean, we've all been there. That's not a shipwreck. A shipwreck means you never leave that place You sink, you go under the water and none of us want to see that happen in any of your lives. And I know people that have done that too and they are just no longer walking with Jesus. And they didn't wake up one morning and say, eh, I think I'll go a different direction. It was little by little, off course, believing things that weren't true, um, taking things in from society. You know, there are a lot of commonly held, uh, commonly accepted very popular beliefs out there that are not biblical. I think we all know this, all right? You can't play with all of that. You can get good at knowing what the scripture says so you can help people that are believing those things. I think we should all do that. I think we should have some understanding about our culture and where we are and how to minister to our culture. Okay, I'm not suggesting we just separate from all that, but in your heart, that's not stuff you invite on the inside. You know, you do that At your own peril. So that's what we're talking about. We've we've looked at a number of things today. We're gonna cover a little bit of review and then we're gonna start talking about some of the things that frequently shipwreck people's faith and and how to deal with them. All right, so last week we were looking at these verses here in in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have it up there from the Passion Translation because I just really love the way it reads. And so Paul, again, this is the end of his life. This is, he knows that pretty soon he's going to be martyred. All right. And and so he's writing about his life. He's looking back on it and he's saying, I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course with all my might. I love that. I finished my full course, but I didn't even just crawl across the line. I finished with all my might and I've kept my heart full of faith. Again, that's, a, that's something he did. He kept his heart full of faith. He didn't allow it to become depleted. He goes on and says, there's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me, and I know that my Lord will, remi- will reward me on his day of righteous judgment. And this crown is not only waiting for me, but for all who love and long for his unveiling. So here's a couple of things we said last week. We talked about this word fought, where he says, I fought the good fight. That word originally meant to contend for victory in the public games, like the Olympic games. That's what the word meant. It was a fight, but it was everything, and we talked about it last week, everything that could go into preparation and, and participation in this sporting event, this public games. And, but later, that word came to mean persevering in faith. Persevering in faith. And we're going to talk some about perseverance today. In faith amid. So this means we're not going to avoid these things. We are going to persevere through these things. Persevering in faith amid distractions, temptations, and opposition. Distractions, temptations, oppositions. Persevering in faith. So perseverance we defined as being steadfast in your effort in any circumstance or pursuit in the face of resistance, difficulty, or even failure so perseverance all right and then and then let me just before we go back to that let me give you this word he said i've finished my race we saw that in the original text that word finished it spring it speaks of bringing something to perfection or to its utmost conclusion, okay? So again, it's not a picture of, uh, I finished my race, I came in two days late, but, you know, I got there. It's not, that's, that's how I do races, okay? But that's not how Paul did his race. He brought it to the ultimate conclusion. That's the same word, finished, that Jesus used on the cross when he said it is finished. He had brought our salvation to its utmost conclusion. This is the attitude Paul had about running his race, about living his life, about staying in a place of faith. Okay, so he says that one of the key characteristics here was this. It's this persevering in faith, no matter what we go through. We persevere. We all know that is not a passive word. Perseverance is just not a passive word. It is, it is a determination to go forward. It is the determination. We won't quit. We won't compromise. We are going forward, no matter what comes, all right? So when perseverance is at work in us, and we're going to see that every one of us have a special grace of perseverance from God, but when perseverance is at work in us, resistance, facing resistance, is not a reason to quit. It's not a reason to compromise. It's not a reason to go silent. It's not a reason to compromise the word or, or not follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not when persistence is at work. When, or perseverance, sorry, when perseverance is at work, resistance. And, and so what's resistance? Well, it can be spiritual resistance It can be resistance from your family or your friends or various things. A lot of times there's a spiritual component. I'm not even necessarily, I mean, I think the devil takes advantage of these things certainly, but I'm not even necessarily talking about some big time demonic strategy but there there can be we can feel the resistance to go forward because we just don't feel like we can do it right we just don't feel like we can forgive that person we don't feel like we can give like we can serve like we can whatever it might be we can face resistance but perseverance doesn't see that as any reason to compromise okay perseverance sees difficulty i love this as an opportunity for God to work. It's an opportunity for God to show himself strong. Difficulty. When difficulty comes into our life. If you will take this attitude, it'll change your life. I know a guy um, that, well, I don't know him, but I listen to him, uh, that his whole ministry is about helping people develop joy and hope in their lives. And one of the one of his podcasts I was listening to, he's talking about this idea of learning how when when something happens, when something comes up, the you know, and he just used the most practical examples. When the car breaks down, he's trained himself to say, that's awesome, because every time the car breaks down, God shows up and does something cool. You know, somebody something happened at work that wasn't oh that's awesome. Because every time that happens, God shows up and does something really cool. He shows himself big. So, so I'm anticipating, oh, that's great that that happened this morning. I, I got up feeling like garbage. That's awesome, because every time I do, God shows up and does what only he can do. And And this, I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful frame of mind that I think speaks of the kind of hope the Bible talks about, okay? Instead of, oh, well, this is going to be a lousy day because I didn't get to sleep. The cat stepped on my head five times. I didn't get to sleep, you know. And and I got like two hours and I'm tired and da-da-da-da-da. Instead, going at the day with that idea, hey, there's a difficulty. This is a chance for God to show up this is a chance for God to do what he will do. And you know what? He can show himself really strong. So perseverance also sees failure. It said in the face of persevering amid failure, perseverance sees failure as an opportunity to get get wisdom, get healed up if you need to, get reoriented and get up and go for God's will in your life again. We We tend to, you know and this is interesting i think even when jesus was on the cross and at the moment that he said it is finished and what he was saying was i've brought the salvation i've opened the door it is it is complete what i needed to do here as your savior it's complete i think some of those around and even his disciples based on the way they acted after that thought he was finished you know, they they started hiding and they started, they prayed, you know, but they, you know, I think they thought he was finished. Well, he was just getting started. It was finished, but he wasn't finished. And maybe there's something in your life that it's finished, okay? That doesn't mean he's finished. And we all know that we all, you know, we could list the, the Edisons and the Ben Franklins and the, the people we know, all of them, those really successful People have all faced failure and learned from it and gone on. We don't ever know the names of the people that quit when there was a failure. So even if it's a spiritual failure, even if it's a if you fail somebody around you or or maybe this, you know, is a good way for us to view others that fail, you know, is not to be so harsh and so critical and well that's the end of that. I don't know, God's not done with them yet. So it's, a, it's another mindset. Perseverance hangs on to these mindsets. And the scripture is really strong about this in the New Testament. It says we need perseverance. So I'm going to run over to the book of Hebrews. We'll look at a couple of these passages. It says we need perseverance. It doesn't say it's just a nice thing. That's a great characteristic. I love to be around people who persevere. No, no, no. It says as a Christian, you need perseverance perseverance. All right. So here, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two, very familiar to to many of you. These are great verses. I love being able to preach the great verses. You know, not just that mediocre word of God that is in here, you know, but, so the, you know, I'm kidding, right? Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That term throw off is a really strong, it doesn't mean just kind of push against it. It means throw it out of your life every time. Why? Because it will entangle you. It's really hard to run when you're entangled, okay? It's really hard to walk when you're entangled. It's really hard to walk across a dark room when you have cats in your house, but that's another subject, okay? So, we're going to throw off all right, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And he says, "Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance." So again, this isn't this is this is a an integral component to successfully living our whole life in faith and and running the race, running and that and that means walking out, you know, what God's purpose and will and and I'll just say this right here because a lot of people I don't know what God's will is. Just stay with Him; He will show you but it's it unfolds it, it happens a little the time you don't for most people you know i I know a few people that say, "Oh, since I was two years old, I knew this was what I was going to do. well, goody for you, <laughs> you know no I, re, I truly I'm happy for you, but most of the people I know that are older and are walking out what God had for them, number one, they had to fight stay on course, they had to make good decisions along the way and they, it, it unfolded to them. It wasn't just real clear. It wasn't everything about where God was going to take them. wasn't real clear. It unfolded. So they just did what they knew to do. They ran the course that was marked out for them. Okay, I can see this part. I'm going to run it. And I'm going to run it with perseverance. Because see, the devil likes to take you out when you put your first foot on that race course. When you first find out anything and you know the Lord's leading you, and it may be an internal, he's wanting me to adjust this area in my life or he's, he's wanting me in, be, to be involved in this area, serve in this place in the church, whatever it might be. And it's just, it's just the tip of the iceberg, but we need to do that part with all our heart, with all our might. You gotta start there because he loves to kill that stuff off when it's small. It's easier than once you figure things out and you get strong and you know how much authority you have over him. So let us run with perseverance, the rates marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Boy, that's important. The author and perfecter of our faith. That means the source of our faith and the one who brings it to full completion. It's the same idea, okay? Who for the joy set before him endured that's the same exact endured is the exact same word in the greek as perseverance so we're going to run with perseverance we're going to run with endurance okay same same idea in the greek all right and it says that for the joy set before him he endured or persevered through the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's just a key as far as living your life with perseverance in the, in the things of God. What was that joy that was set before him? And I believe it had two components. The one was fulfilling the will of God for his life as our Savior. Jesus, that was that was a joy that was set before him. To do Jesus said. To the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he said, he told his disciples, remember they went to get lunch, they were all hungry and they went to get lunch and brought it back and he said, oh, I have food you don't know about, you know, and we think about food, it's something, it's sustenance, it gives us strength, it gives us satisfaction, it's, you know, it's good to, good to eat and it keeps us strong, Right? He said, I have, I have food you don't know about. They said, who brought you food? He said, no, it's doing the will of the Father. And he said this in more than one way in his life. Doing the will of the Father brought sustenance and strength into his life. It made him strong. It made him able, doing the will of the Father. So I believe the joy that was set before him, one of them was fulfilling the will of God. He, he had that set before him. The second part of that, and they're related, was us. The joy that was set before him was all the people that he would serve through fulfilling God's will for his life. And that is true for every one of us. And this, you know, again, this is very cult- counter-cultural uh, for us as Americans. We are we are really pulled toward a real in- hyper-independent spirit. This is all about me. It's about even, you know, we teach And this was a new idea when I first came to the Lord. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, that's true. And you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. It needs to be personal, intimate, individual, but that's not all there is to it. When we start that personal relationship with Jesus, the Bible says that the, the Holy Spirit picks us up by the scruff of the neck. It says that in the Greek. No, it doesn't and immerses us in the body of Christ uses the word baptized you are baptized into the body of Christ by the same spirit every one of us we are made a part indelibly of one another that's what baptism does so we are immediately introduced into a community even if like me you run from that community for a long time i was still if if i'd have died before i ever started being a part of the church i would have woken up in heaven to find out, oh, I'm a part of the church, because you are. And you have a role, and your obedience and your fulfillment of God's purpose for your life will touch other people. And that, and that for Jesus, that was a part of the joy that was set before him. And it says he was able to endure, to persevere through the cross— because of that joy that was set before him, so and it, you know this is so. Where was the joy that was set before him? This is not a trick question. It was before him. Okay, that's what "before" means. It was in front of him. wasn't something he towed along. wasn't something he kept in the storage shed and pulled out once in a while, and dusted off in order to go through the cross and bring his work to full completion, like Paul's talking about, he had to keep that joy before him. And that's my third question on this is, who set the joy before him? And we and we could all say, you know, the Father, and that's true, but Jesus set that joy before him. That I believe, I believe that's why we see him out praying by himself all night long before he comes back to minister. And that's why we see him say, you know what, guys, I love you to pieces. Why don't you get in a boat and go across the lake and leave me alone for a while? He might not have said it just like that, but he might have. But he needed that time with the Father. And I believe that Jesus, remember, Jesus, you know, yes, he was 100% God, he was also a 100% man and the Bible specifically says he faced every difficulty, every temptation that we could face but without sin, okay? He felt everything we feel. But he kept that joy fulfilling fulfilling God's will for his life and all those billions of people he would serve through that fulfillment. He kept it set before him. And that's how he pursued and, and persevered through the cross. And I just think that when you are in one of those really, or I, really one of those dark times, when you want to quit, if you run this race, you will at times want to quit. You'll absolutely want to quit. You'll want to quit certainly on people, on you know, whatever the Lord is calling you to be and to do on some of those relationships, maybe on the church, maybe on the Lord himself, you'll have times where you're tempted to quit. And, you know, I've heard, well, Tommy Barnett, for one, say, you know, that, and he's, if you don't know who he is, he has a, well, he has a number of of big churches now. But anyway, he's in his 80s. He's still preaching. He's still walking with God. He's still as vibrant as you can be. He's just done tremendous things for the Lord. And I've heard him say, you know, it's okay to think about quitting. Just don't quit. It's, it's all right if you have the thought, but don't do it. Don't quit. And he used to say that he used to, as a pastor, he used to write his resignation letter. This is his story. I write my resignation letter every Sunday night. And on Monday morning, when I'm headed to the office, I take that letter and I put it in my jacket and I head to the office. But... Before I get to the office, because I'm going to resign when I get there, so I've got the letter ready. Before I get to the office, I stop and I get a big coffee. And he says, that coffee has kept me in the ministry for years, for decades. He's, he's, he's a great guy. But, you know, I don't know how true that story is, but he tells it. So, But, but anyway, the point is, I think what keeps you going in those times is the joy You've got to get your eyes up. You've got to get them set back on Jesus, it says. But you've got to get them up onto fulfilling the will of God. And then think about all those people. And you don't see them. We don't see them. We can feel a lot of times those really low points, we feel like a total failure. Well, perseverance doesn't stop at failure. Okay, It sees it as an opportunity to get up and go on. So we catch those mindsets and, and we think about, man, there's a whole bunch of people in my life. And it might be your family and it might, you know, you walking with God in the midst of family struggles, in the midst of, you know, whatever it is that's going on in your life, the people that are around you, your commitment to fulfilling the will of God and your commitment to those people that God has put in your life can pick you up and get you moving again and enable you to persevere. It's just something, you know, we've got to think about. We've got to uh, get our eyes back on um what the lord has for us because you know this life isn't about this life and this life doesn't end when you die or when jesus comes back this this you know our our life goes on before that this life is about eternal life for us it is about bringing people to the kingdom it is about representing jesus to people and that happens in just such a huge variety of ways. You know, Every one of you has tremendous gifts on the inside of you and, and are so blessed in order to be a blessing to other people. And we don't want to let something shipwreck us and keep us from walking that out. Does that make sense to you? All right. One more, Hebrews 10, uh, 35 and 36. This is from the Amplified Bible, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. I don't have it on the screen. It says, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it, that fearless confidence, carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of, notice that word, you have need of steadfast patience and endurance. That's one word in the Greek, okay? One word in the Greek, same word as perseverance, steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. That term, fearless confidence confidence there, you know, don't fling that away. You're supposed to, what were we supposed to fling away? Sin that so easily entangles, what was the other part, distractions or something? Anyway, whatever we just read back over there, and it's probably still on your screen, huh? Yeah, yeah. The sin, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I read that before one time. Uh, but, but this fearless confidence, we're not supposed to throw that away. Well, that's an interesting word because it actually means, not in the way we usually think of it, what I'm about to say, it means freedom of speech. It means to to be free and strong and bold to speak out publicly about your walk with God or to, to bring your testimony to people, to bring the gospel to people. And don't put that in just a little religious, I got to go down the, Ro- the Romans road. No, no, no. It's saying there is a fearless confidence available to us that will enable us to be vocal about what the Lord is doing. And being vocal about what the Lord is doing, it says carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. And it's so interesting because it's like, well, I'm just not a real vocal person. Well, you don't have to be a blabbermouth. You don't have to be an in-your-face person. But all of us have situations, and let's just admit it, all of us have been in situations where it's like, somebody's talking to us, and it's like, I should say this. Sometimes we did, Sometimes we didn't, but there is available to us from the Lord, a fearless confidence, an, an ability to speak up at that moment and connected to that speaking. I just find that interesting. Connected to that speaking is a great reward, great and glorious compensation of reward. That's interesting. So I think when we see things like that, we need to say, okay, I received that Lord. You know, sometimes I get nervous. I don't feel like I have the right words, so I'm going to ask you, give me the right words. Because next time I have this opportunity, I'm going to open my mouth, so you probably need to fill it, because otherwise I'm going to say something dumb, and, and I'd prefer that you give me what to say, but I'm going to let that confidence, this belongs to me, I'm going to let that confidence rise up in me, so I just share, okay, what the Lord has done or what he has shown me in that area, maybe what that person needs to hear. Okay, so this term, we'll just wrap it up with this. I'm not even going to get to the things that, uh, some of the things that shipwreck us. But this word, and, and those of you have been around here for a while, I come back to this word six times a year probably, maybe not quite that much. It's just so important. The the word perseverance Or we've seen it sometimes translated endurance. It's sometimes translated steadfast patience. A lot of times in the King James, it's just translated patience. And that's okay, except we don't know what that means. We think patience means I'm going to sit idly by and God's going to do something. It's not at all what this word means. But this same Greek word is translated and and the scripture says, we just read it, you have need of this. You have need of this. So perseverance... It's that Greek word "hupomene." We'll look at it. In fact, we'll just look at it right now. This was a grace that the New Testament believers discovered. It was like discovering America. You know, they this 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 grace didn't exist in the Old Testament. Apparently, they never talked about it in the Old Testament. And when you read some of the very early uh, writers in the in the first century church they start describing this grace that, that just starts showing up on the inside of them. Remember, grace, yeah, it's, it's unmerited favor, but it's a, it's a flow of God's ability that in, it's an enabling flow. It enables us to do something that we couldn't do on our own or, or to, to be something that we couldn't be on our own. It actually, grace from God actually enables. And that's why Paul uses that same term to talk about gifts like gifts of the spirit that flow. Well, I didn't have that word. You know, I didn't know that, but God gave me a word of knowledge or I, I didn't, you know, I can't put my hand on you and heal you, but God was flowing in a gift of healing, you know, so so it's a flow of God's ability. Well, they started, when they started facing terrible persecution, when they started facing all these different things, they discovered that there was a joy that would rise up in them that was it was just stupid. I mean, they would be, you know, and I know I've said this to you before, but Nero literally lit his garden during during parties by burning Christians at the stake. I mean, while well, he and all his buddies were partying, it's was a horrible person. They cut people in two. They pulled off their limbs. They, did, they threw them to the lions. They did all kinds of things. And those people started discovering and coined this word to describe something that would rise up in them and they'd be able in the midst of the worst thing you can imagine on this earth to praise and glorify God. You can't, you can't fake that, okay? You can't fake that. It, you know, you're being burned alive. You can't fake praising God at that moment, okay? But they discovered this and I found that really interesting. So they called it a grace. This was a grace. This was something that was given to them. And what that means is God will give us this grace that the Bible calls perseverance. And and again, I kind of wish we'd come up, sometimes I wish for some of these things, love's a good example. I wish we didn't just use the word love to describe the way I feel about French fries and the way I feel about my wife. You know, I mean, you know, the Greeks had like five or six words to describe all of that. And and I wish we'd come up with a different word for this, but we didn't. So we just have to study it out and see what it means. But so it describes a grace that they discovered and they wrote a lot about it. And this is just a part of, of the definition, and I know I've given this to you before. It means it is the brave patience with which the Christian contends against. Get that language. Contends against. Doesn't just doesn't just, you know, again, it's they say it's not just endurance and it's not just being sustained. It is more than that. It is perseverance. It rises up within and drives you forward through. Okay? with which the Christian contends against the various hindrances and persecutions and temptations that befall him in the conflict with the inward and the outward life. All right, so this grace is something. So what do I do with a grace? I believe God for it, okay? Okay. Let's talk about just for a minute just the gifts of the spirit, okay? Those are graces that flow. Bible says they flow as the Holy Spirit wills. But what does it tell us to do? It says to desire, to earnestly covet, it says the best gifts at the moment, okay? There are times where this is the best gift to have this perseverance rise up in me and be able to go through a horrible difficult unfair, unjust, it's all wrong, it shouldn't have happened, time in life and come out the other side just as strong or stronger in my faith, not get derailed, not get pulled aside, not get stopped, okay? And I love that, I love this picture because it says "This this is how the Christian contends with, contends with. I am not a fan of the idea of sideline, uh, sit sit on the sidelines and watch Christianity or the idea of, oh, all we're supposed to do is just sit back and you know, if if it works out, it was God's will and if it's not, it wasn't. Nobody in the New Testament lived like that. I don't know where, some of those doctrines are so ingrained and I don't know where people get them out of the Bible. Those people fought spiritual battles. They, they persevered. Paul, geez, the guy was shipwrecked and spent nights and days in the sea. He was, he was beaten with rods a number of times. He was whipped. He was put in jail in horrible prisons. He went hungry. He had all these, all these things that he went through. And he got to the end of his life and said, you know what? I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. And I, and I kind of think, I don't think he was bragging. I mean, I don't think it would have made the book if he was bragging. I think he was saying, this is kind of amazing, but here's what I've done, Timothy, and you can do the same. All right. Hupomone, the second part, produces a steadfast esteem for and loyalty to the things of God. All right, so it produces something in us that sets the joy before us. It produces something in us that enables us that in no way and to no degree allows the believer to be shaken or weakened or hindered from performing his God-given task. All right, it is an empowering gift from God. It. I always think that hupomene is like, you know, and we talked about this yesterday, that, you know, when a submarine goes underwater and goes deep, there's all this pressure that comes against it from the outside that would crush it like a beer can, okay? But they pressurize the inside. They do something on the inside that gives it strength so that the thing doesn't get crushed. And I think that's how this works. I think when pressure comes against our life. If we are in faith, if we trust God that, yep, you put something in me, it's in there, Lord. I know it's in there. And I'm just asking you, activate it because I need it right now. There is something, and, it, and it's not even, it doesn't even have to be that intentional. That's what has amazed me at times. I've gone th- through things, you know, as a pastor that were so deeply hurtful that, yeah, I'd a, I mean, I've thought about quitting, but I don't let myself stay there at all you know and and it's so amazing that there can be all this stuff and things can look really bad and really hopeless and yet there's this silly joy and hope and and oh it's, this is going to be great on the inside it's not in here my brain's saying the opposite just like yours does it's in here it rises up and i think we need to know things like this so we can stop and say wait a minute being crushed by this isn't who God called me to be. And he's already equipped me with something, a grace. He's given it to me. He's equipped me with something. It's in there. And, and you can just allow that to rise up on the inside and keep you strong going through whatever it is you face. So next week, I want to start talking about some of these things. I've listened to them to you before. But, you know, you go through a big loss in your life. You can get shipwrecked by that. We all, we've got to learn how to deal with that. You go through uh, somebody betraying you, somebody you trusted, violating that trust. That can shipwreck you. That can, that can pull you down, you know. Uh, there are regrets, you know. Uh, regret is something that can take hold of us and keep us from fulfilling God's plan for our life. We've just got to learn how to deal with it. Certainly offense is something. We talk about it a lot. It's true. You cannot let offense stay. It will, no, it won't pull me off. No, yes, it will. Sorry, but yes, it will. It will poison you. It will bring you to bitterness. It will break up your relationships. and, And it'll be, and you'll think it's everybody else's fault in the world but yours. We've got to learn how to deal with offense. We've got to learn how. Just big disappointments can shipwreck us. And so I want to take time. I just want to look at some of those individual things because all of us face them. All of us face them. This is life on earth. We all face them. But we can go through. We have been equipped by God and we can be currently equipped by God and we can keep our eyes on Jesus and we can keep that joy of the Lord set before us and we can go through. Okay, so, so we'll get there. That, that gave a good foundation for it. Let's stand up and pray this morning. Did you get anything out of this? All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. I'll try and learn Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 between now and next week. Father, thank you so much, Lord. Father, I just love you so much. I love the way, all that you've done for us in Jesus. It wasn't just, okay, now we wait until we go to heaven. God, you have given us a purpose in life that is bigger than anything that could come against it. And Father, you are the one who equips us so that we can go through anything we might face. Anything we might face. And we can go through it strong. Lord, we can get back up when we get down. We can stand back up. You're the one who raises us up. You're the one, Lord, who will even help us lift up our eyes and get them back on Jesus. And Lord, I just believe with all my heart that the people in this room, they're determined to finish their race strong, Lord, to to finish their life and be able to say, you know what, I kept my heart full of faith, Lord. And so I just ask you to continue to just fill us and instruct us and lead us and guide us. And I thank you for it today in Jesus' name, amen. You know what, I totally forgot to do announcements. We have Remedy tonight at six o'clock. Okay, Remedy at six o'clock. Great time to get filled back up. If you're in one of those places we just talked about, you need to be here. Let the Lord fill you again. Secondly, um, Patty is starting a Bible study on Tuesday nights, beginning March 7th, 7 to 8 o'clock. Is uh, she in the nursery today, I think? Yeah. So so anyway, you can see her, if you'd like, Book of James. Okay, so everybody just reads for everybody. It's not just women's Bible studies, it's for everybody. So Tuesday is beginning March 7th at 7 p.m. Okay. Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there. Go get them. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.